Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. Come on, let's celebrate today. Jesus is alive. Amen. You can be seated. Come on now. We are in church. I'm so glad to be with you guys. My name is Brian, and he is risen. Let's give it up again for Jesus. He's alive. He's with us, and he is for us. That's what we are celebrating here today. It's the day of days. Sin is defeated. Death has no more sting. Our debt has been canceled. Our hope is secure. Our lives have a purpose, and our Father is faithful. That's what we're celebrating on Easter. Jesus is faithful. He is who he says he is. And this is a huge, huge day. It changes everything. We say this every year. Easter changes everything. And it really is the kind of story that either changes everything or it changes nothing. It's the kind of thing that demands a response. It'd be like if I told you, you just won a million dollars, right? Either that would change everything or it would change nothing because I'm a liar, right? If Easter is real, if Jesus is really alive, then it changes our lives. It re-centers us and gives us a new reason to live. And that's what we are about here. If you are brand new here today, just know this. We have been praying for you. We've been expecting you. We've been looking forward to this time together. And if you're not sure what you think about Christianity or about a Jesus, you're in the right place to, wa- to walk through your faith, to-, to walk through your doubts together with us. We're all at some point in the journey, but here's the deal. A year ago, you guys, this room was empty. You are literally witnessing a resurrection right here. The church is alive. God is working. And here's the deal. Uh, the team here has worked really hard. This is, this is service number four, and uh, they've just been pouring their guts out. And so we haven't done this, but can you just give it up for all of this, the serve teams today? Thank you so much. Yeah, everybody, everybody running a camera, everybody hanging out with our kids today. Thank you so much for serving us and serving the community. Once again, this is a day of days, the day that we celebrate that Jesus is alive, and it does demand a response. It really does demand a decision to be made. And I love this quote that Jesus calls us to crown him or kill him, but not insult him by merely liking him. And isn't that true that Jesus demands us to make a decision about the cross? And in Luke 24, we read, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They were going to take care of a dead body. And when they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. He had been resurrected, right, in the tomb on Friday, but walked out of it on Sunday. On Friday, the horror of our sin was made manifest on the cross. And on Sunday, the power of God was made manifest in the resurrection of Jesus. And, and there was a new king that was established, a new kingdom that had come. A new king that wouldn't just reign in Jerusalem, but who would be a global king, a global ruler, a global leader that would love the world in ways that no human being could ever love the world. And he is still king, and he is still Lord, and he still reigns today, and that's what we're all a part of. That's what we as God's church are a part of today is God's kingdom. That is the good news, and he didn't show up. 
to launch a religion. He showed up to launch a revolution, a revolution of love, the kind of love that we hadn't ever seen before, the kind of love that can only be seen by, by, by people who are seeing the love of Christ It can only be seen as we uh, show what it looks like to love others the way that Jesus loved us on the cross, giving of ourselves, sacrificing ourselves the way that Jesus first sacrificed for us. And I want to talk for a minute here uh, about what it means to have a friend. Now, uh, do you have a friend? Do you have somebody that's with you? Do you have somebody that sort of walks with you through everything? Somebody that you can depend on? Somebody that's your ride or die friend? Do you have a ride or die friend? Somebody that's there till the bitter end. Maybe you're like, well, I'm that friend. I have people that can depend on me. If they need me, I'm going to show up. I am always going to be there. Well, in Jesus' life, there was somebody who thought they were Jesus' ride or die friend, and it was a guy named Peter. Peter was like, I am that for Jesus. I love Peter. I really relate to Peter because he's, he, he's got a lot of emotion. He's got a lot of passion. So Peter's like, I'm going to be there for you, Jesus. And Jesus, as he's uh, making his way to the cross, he tells his closest friends, hey, um, it's going to get really bad. And when it gets bad, you guys are going to scatter like sheep without a shepherd. You're just going to go and you're going you're to run away. And Peter's like, well, those losers might run away, but not me, Jesus. Because I'm Peter, right? I'm your ride or die friend. I'm going to stick with you until the end. And then Matthew 26, it says, Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Jesus knew Peter would fail him. And here's what you need need to know today is that Jesus knew you would fail him too. Jesus knew about your failures before you ever made that decision, said those words, did that thing. He knew you would fail him. He knows what you will do today, tomorrow, and in the future. He knows about all of those things, and and Jesus is like, you are going to fail me. And then the next thing you know in the story, Jesus is arrested, and Peter is freaking out, right? Because he's like, now what do I do? This guy that I've been following for three years is now arrested, right? I thought he was the Messiah. The one who was supposed to be the Savior looks sort of like he needs saving. And Peter didn't know what to do. And you find him standing around this fire trying to figure out what to do, warming himself, and he gets confronted by a little middle school girl. And he's got to make a decision. Am I sticking with Jesus? And in John 18, it says, The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? In other words, you shouldn't be arrested like Jesus, should you? And here's how Peter responds. He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. We're going to come back to that. And they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them standing and warming himself. So in this moment, what's interesting is that Peter had no guarantee anything would have gone wrong had he said, no, Jesus is my my, my friend, my my leader, I'm following Jesus. There was no, it wasn't illegal to, to walk with Jesus, but just at the minute risk that something could have gone wrong, Peter was like, nope, I do not know the man. You see, in this moment, Peter's loyalty would be tested, be challenged, and and I wonder for you, over the past years, you just kind of take a second and look at your life. Has your, your loyalty been tested? Have you been challenged in one way or another? It's been a hard year. Can we just admit that? It's been a lot that's gone on culturally, a lot that's gone on behind closed doors. And here's what I see is that God will use our lives to test our loyalty. 
He will use the challenges of life to ask us a question. Are you with me? Are you for me? Are you sticking with your faith? For Peter, two more times we know he fails the test. Two more times he's asked, do you know Jesus? And two more times he denies Jesus in Luke twenty two sixty one. It says, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Now think about this. He's literally, the words are coming out of his mouth. I do not know the man. And as Jesus, he, he turns his head and looks at him, they lock eyes. Hey, have, have you ever been in a situation where you're saying something, you're doing something, and as you're doing it, you're trying to take it back? Because you know I can't get these words back that are coming out of my mouth. And I, I can't get this decision back. I'm doing something that's going to change the path of my life or someone else's life. It's going to change things. I can't undo what I'm getting ready and, and currently doing. And Peter locks eyes with Jesus. Jesus looks at him. And the thing you need to know is that that's always the case. Jesus is always with us. He's with us in our failures. And whether we knew it or not, we've locked eyes with Jesus before as we have denied him, whether it be through what we say or, or through what we do. And it says, And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. So Peter feels this, right? I mean, he feels what he just did. I'm not going to do a show of hands, but um, I don't know if you're a crier. Men in the room, I'm not sure how many of you guys are criers. Uh, my kids, in fact, asked me the other day, they're like, Dad, do you ever cry? And I was like, nope. But that was a lie because uh, I do cry. Band of Brothers makes me cry. Ever watch Band of Brothers? And uh, cheesy Christian movies make me cry. Every time, I'm always like, the acting's so bad, but it's so true. And I just get emotional, you know, and it hits me. It really does. But in this moment, he's weeping over his mistakes. He immediately repents and goes to God. It's like, ah, oh, I failed. I messed up. He feels the weight of his sin. When is the last time that you wept over your sin? It might seem a little strange, but I just want you to know that this is the first step towards salvation is being able to grieve the mistakes in our lives, to realize that the things that we did or the things that we've done are not isolated incidents that God doesn't know about or things that were only done to us or to hurt ourselves. No, everything we have done is done to others and to God. It has been a rejection of God, whether privately or publicly. And I'd say this, maybe you've been rejected before. Maybe somebody was supposed to be there for you and they were not loyal to you. I would say that's painful. It's painful to feel Rejection. I mean, the only thing worse than having a disloyal friend is realizing that you are the disloyal friend. And that's another level of pain. You see, in this moment, Peter felt this. We've all felt the pain of rejection, but Peter felt the pain of rejecting. He was confronted with the substance of his faith, and there wasn't much there. He wasn't who he really thought he was. His vow fell apart with a middle school girl. So he was scared for his life. I was reading a study uh, this week about how self-aware people are. And they just studied hundreds and hundreds of people had come through. And uh, they asked them, hey, do you think that you're self-aware? In other words, do you think you see yourself as you actually are? And what they found was that 90% of people believe they are self-aware. So that'd be like, all of you, not you guys, all of you, 
believe that you see yourself exactly as you are. But what they found is that by any real standard, only 10% of people, that's you guys, are actually self-aware. So ironically, 80% of people lie to themselves about how self-aware they are. In other words, we don't see ourselves as we think we do. We don't see ourselves as we are many times. And it takes moments like these for it to be revealed. See, Peter had been walking with Jesus for three years. He was so confident in his faith. He was so confident that he really loved this man, that he would stick to him to the end. Some of you have been in church for a lot longer than that. Some of you have called yourself a Christian for a lot longer than that. So my question is, how's your vow going? How's your commitment going? As you look at your life over the past year, would you say, it's clear that I'm a follower of Jesus? It's clear that I'm going to stick with Jesus. Is that obvious to you and to the people in your life? If it's not, you have some thinking to do today. This Easter, as we listen to the story of Peter, we hear the story of ourselves. Denying Jesus, not really being the people and having the faith we think we have. Now, if the story ended here, it'd be a hopeless story, wouldn't it? Just like if the story ended on Friday, I don't know if you were here on Friday for Good Friday service, the story would be a hopeless story, but thank God it doesn't end there. So I'm going to make a quick transition here, and I'm going to ask you to participate as a crowd in something, maybe a little different for you on an Easter morning. But uh, any music fans in the room? Just raise your hand. Any? Okay, so a lot of you love music. I'm a musician. I play guitar, and so I love good music. And so here's what I want you to do is, is find somebody. You may have to stand up and move around, but somebody that you did not ride to church with, and I want you to tell them your favorite band or musician in high school. And if you're in high school, I guess it's favorite band or musician right now. So I'm going to give you 40 seconds, okay? Now stand up, do whatever you're going to do. 40 seconds, go. Hey, ACF family. We recently told you guys about what was your favorite high school band, and here's what you had to say. Jamin said Nickelback. Put it in the chat right now if you enjoyed Nickelback. We need to pray for Jamin. All right. Kendra said, always Justin Bieber. Yes, that shows her age. Put it in the chat right now if you were a Justin Bieber fan. Megan said, James Taylor. Love that, Megan. Let's see. One more. Um, Sophie Harder said, ACF band. Yes. Yes. Thank you guys so much. Back to the sermon. Be quiet, I'm on a clock. I gotta tell you about Jesus. I got a timer. I only got so much time. Stop talking. Okay. Man, I love it. So, uh, some of you still have the t shirt, don't you, right? You still got the shirt in the closet. It don't fit like it used to, does it? Uh, no, mine neither. Mine doesn't fit like it used to. I'll, I'll be honest. So, for me, uh, in high school, it was Metallica. That was the band, Metallica. And then I was a guitarist, and so I loved me some Eddie Van Halen. That was, that was my go-to for guitar. You've probably been to shows. You've probably been to concerts. You, you've, you've been a fan before, right? We know what it's like to be a fan. One thing Jesus knew how to do was draw a crowd and make fans. When Jesus was alive, he had lots of fans. He would do crazy things in public, and people would just show up in the hundreds and thousands, right? He, his first miracle, right? He turns water into wine, I mean, that's going to draw a crowd. If I did that right now, you would see all of Eagle River in this. Pastor Brian's turning water 
into wine. And he gives it to people who have already had too much to drink. That's a whole other sermon. But anyway, Jesus... Water to wine. He, he heals somebody who's sick. And, and then uh, people would show up and be like, man, this guy's been sick or he's been disabled for years. How could he do that? And they were amazed by these miracles. He would feed thousands and thousands of people with a few loaves and, and fish. And he would multiply it. And people were, their minds were blown. Jesus knew how to put on a show. He knew how to draw a crowd. I don't know if you know this. It's, it's, it's not that complicated to draw a crowd of fans. Jesus had lots and lots of fans. I wonder if Peter, as he's standing around this fire and as he's weeping over his mistakes, I wonder if he was thinking about the moment that Jesus first called to him. And we read about it in Matthew chapter 4. It says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, be a fan of me, and I will make you fishers of men. Anybody? Tell me somebody knows that's wrong. <laughs> I got a lot of work to do. Um, side note, open your Bible in church because I can put whatever I want on this screen. Anything. Just make stuff up. You don't know. Open your Bible. So it doesn't say this. I want you to say the words with me. He says, follow me. That was really weak. We're going to do it again. One, two, three. Follow me. Jesus invites Peter to follow him. Now, what's it mean to follow Jesus? It literally means to do what he does. We're not talking about just standing in a line, walking with him, but literally to do what Jesus does. And so Peter's thinking, follow Jesus, follow this man who is going to come and take, take power. I mean, that's really what they were looking for, was a man who would take over Roman power, right? He was going to take the power back. That's another my lyric for you, if you know that one. He's going to take some power back. And so Peter's like, oh, you're going to take power? I want to take power with you. Yes, I will follow G- Jesus. You know, I will gain some authority and some influence in my city. Absolutely. And then Jesus goes to a cross. And Peter realizes that to follow Jesus means crucifixion. To follow Jesus means death. That he would have to give up way more than he ever thought he would have to give up to be a follower of Jesus. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but I'm going to be really honest with you. Churches are full of fans, but salvation belongs to the followers. We can draw a crowd. We can get people together. We can sing great songs. We can have a lot of fun together. But the cross draws a dividing line for anyone who might be willing to call themselves a Christian. Anyone who might say, no, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. No, I'm going to stick with you to the, to the bitter end. No, I am with you, Jesus. The cross says you have a decision to make. It's going to cost you more than you realize, but it's going to get you more than you ever knew in the grace of Christ. What's the difference between a fan and a follower? Fans are about themselves, right? If I'm a fan of something, I, I want something for me, but followers are about others, Fans are consumers, but followers are contributors. Fans are looking for a vacation. Followers are looking for a mission. And and if you're part of ACF, you know these are our values. Life is a mission, not a vacation. We are not consumers. We're contributors. This is who we are as people who are followers of Jesus. Maybe you made an emotional commitment at some point. And you're realizing through the difficulty of life, as life has tested your loyalty, that your emotional commitment has not been enough. 
Because God gave us emotions. Emotions can be good, but emotional commitments aren't enough when we're dealing with a cancer diagnosis or when we're dealing with the loss of a job or a really difficult situation. The emotional commitment doesn't matter. And maybe you remember that moment. You were like, you were at a camp or at a church and the band was just up here killing it and the smoke was coming out and the lights were really cool and you had the goosebumps. Remember the goosebumps, right? And you were like, here I am, Lord. Send me, right? I'll do anything. I'll be a missionary. Send me to the, to the hopeless people of Honolulu, Hawaii. Jesus, take me there. I will tell them about Jesus, right? I mean, you remember these emotional commitments and they don't work and it's not what Jesus is inviting you to do. Jesus doesn't want to be your mascot. He wants to be your master. And you've maybe never heard a pastor say this, but you have got to stop asking Jesus into your heart and start making him the Lord of your life. He wants authority in your life. And if he has no authority in your life, I promise you, you are not a follower of Jesus. Because that's what it means to follow. Now, this whole thing sounds like insanity. Um, if, if you're not in touch with your reality like Peter was in that moment. If you're in here and you're just like, man, are we there yet? <laughs> Bring out the band because I got some ham coming, right? Like, if you've just got an emotional commitment, then this is just sort of like a power nap between your Fruit Loops and your dinner, right? Like, what's the point of any of this if it's just an emotional commitment? It's not going to stand up. And in the end, if you don't know that you need Jesus, what's the point of the cross? And if you don't know that you need freedom, what's the point of the resurrection? You have to be in touch with your sin, Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. What that means is you're not the innocent party in this room. There is not one of us that's here today that is innocent. And I had all kinds of notes written out about how I could kind of make a point that, that humanity is sinful. And then I thought, why don't you just rewind and look at the past year? It save us a bunch of work, right? I mean, do, do I really need to, to work hard to show that mankind is, is sinful when we look at the, back, the, the past election season, right? Do you look at that season, how we've re- responded to one another, right? Or this past year, as, as a lot of our livelihoods are on the line, there's a lot of fear. I don't know about you, but I saw some pretty rough stuff come out of humanity. And, and the truth is, if we're honest, if we're really honest, Left to our own devices as human beings, we will devour ourselves. And I've seen it. And you've seen it. And so don't believe the lie that, oh, we're just naturally good people, that we come out of the womb just loving others and loving people and being so generous and and kind-hearted. This is not how humanity is. And if it was true, there would be no need for the cross. Jesus shows up to say, no, this is a messed up world. A world that needs saving. And so once again, how's your vow going? How's your commitment to Jesus going? Have you had your loyalty tested in this past year through significant fires of your life? Maybe you've heard some really hard things like, um, we're going to phase out your position. Maybe you heard that and you had your loyalty tested. Maybe you heard this, I need some space in the relationship. And you're like, during COVID? Are you kidding me? Like, now you want to dump me? Are you serious? Uh, Some of you have dealt with some real sorrow this year, and maybe you heard the pregnancy isn't viable. And and you're grieving. And that's a real grief. 
Maybe you heard we're sinking financially. You thought, man, how are we going to deal with it? How are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to get by? Maybe you heard this, because we all heard this, there's a new strain of the virus. And you thought, is it ever going to end? The truth is that Jesus is using our lives to test our loyalty. How's it going? Are you honest with yourself? Are you in a situation like Peter where you're being confronted by the substance of your faith and there isn't much substance there? C.S. Lewis, who's one of my favorite writers in his book, A Grief Observed, he says this, God has not been trying an experiment on my faith or love in order to find out their quality. He knew it already. It was I who didn't. He always knew that my temple was a house of cards. You see, for many of you, your faith is kind of like a temple. It's this beautiful thing on the outside. Show up, you put your happy face on, you got your tie on. You're looking really good today. It it looks like a beautiful temple, but it's actually a house of cards. You pull one card out and the whole thing tumbles down. You see, it's not God who is testing us so that he might know the substance of our faith. He already knows it. It's us who don't. God wants us to see us for who we are. And and so the, the story continues on. Peter's weeping. He's in tears and sorrow. But one thing he didn't realize, and this is so good, this is good news, is that there's another fire coming. He's standing around this fire. He's weeping, but there's another fire coming. The story continues. Jesus goes into the grave. He's crucified, dead, buried, And then three days later, he is resurrected to new life. He's alive, and his closest friends have left him. They've wandered off. John 21, it says, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. What do you do when you blow it? Go back to your old life. I'm going fishing. Just going to get away from all of this. Maybe you can think of a time where you made an emotional commitment to Jesus, and in the weeks and months afterwards, you just went back to your old life. Whatever's familiar. This is what the enemy wants from you today, by the way. I just promise you that. He wants you to leave here and just go back to your life for nothing to change. I am going fishing. They're out on this boat. They look at the shore. They hear somebody yelling and they're trying to figure out who it is and their eyes are adjusting and all of a sudden they see it's Jesus. And it says this in verse seven, that disciple who Jesus loved, that's John, he's always really proud of that. Therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garments, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it and bread. You see, something happened between the two fires in the heart of Peter. Something happened between standing there weeping as he'd failed the test and now standing on the beach next to a fire with his Savior. Now, some of you, when you see this story and you read it and you're like, oh yeah, well, he saw Jesus and he just jumped out of the boat and went and swam to Jesus. No, no, no. This is not a given because there's something called shame. And some of you have felt some shame. Maybe you feel it right now. And you're like, oh, he's getting to that part where he wants me to make a commitment to follow Jesus. I'm not going to do it like I never do it because... I've done too much. I mean, imagine being the one that looked Jesus in the eye to deny him. He sees Jesus. He sees an opportunity for grace, and he takes it. Who would deny themselves an opportunity for grace? 
And he knows this is Jesus. This is my friend. I know what's coming for me and it's affection and love. It's, it's open arms. And I'd imagine they'd see each other on the beach and they embrace. Imagine Jesus is like, dude, you blew it, didn't you? And he just gives him a big old hug and wraps his arms around him. And he's just like, I love you. I'm so grateful for you. And then Peter's, his life is transformed. He preaches his first sermon and thousands of people get saved and the church explodes. And we are still part of this movement of the early church today. God did something in Peter's life. What made the difference between two fires? Here's what it was. Jesus had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. Or Peter had had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. Peter had an encounter with the real Jesus. He, He saw him for who he was. And he realized that even though Peter wasn't who he said he was, Jesus was. Jesus was true to his word. He was alive. He was the Messiah. Now, here's the deal. You could hear this sermon, and you could hear this and think, well, Pastor Brian's trying to make the point, I need to go be more loyal to Jesus. I just want you to know that's not my point today. My point isn't go be more loyal to Jesus. My point is that Jesus has always been loyal to you. He's always stuck with you. And if that doesn't change your life, nothing will. This is an invitation to take a step forward, an invitation to receive Jesus as a wayward soul. And maybe you came here today and you thought, I'm just going to give God another chance, just one more chance. But maybe without knowing it, you came here today because God was giving you another chance. That this is your moment around the fire. This is your opportunity to respond to really, really good news. So here's what I want you to consider doing. Would you grab your card off your seat here real quick? This is something we do as a church. Just, you can find it. It's probably sitting underneath your seat. Or you're sitting on it. That could be it. But then I just want you to tear this little action card off on the bottom here. Just grab that. We always say this. If you can remember what you did after the last time you went to church, then don't worry about filling out this action card. But if you honestly didn't do anything with it, then give this a shot. The whole point of this is to leave church and do something about it, right? The whole point is not to go back to life as it was. And so um, if you would consider filling this out, we're not going to spam you and put you on a big database and send a bunch of junk to you. We just want to send a text to you to encourage you this week. That's all we're going to do in whatever you're choosing to do. And so maybe today, your next step is to give your life to Jesus or or be baptized. We do baptism once a month at ACF Church. At the end of this month, we'll be doing baptism. So maybe today you're like, you know what, Brian? I've done the emotional goosebumpy thing. I've done the emotional commitment, but today I'm making a decision to follow Jesus. And I just want you to know that it's never too late. You are never too far gone. And that today can change everything for you. So maybe that's you. Maybe you need to identify how you're being disloyal to God. You came in here lying to yourself. Thinking you were more than you are. Thinking you could operate without the grace of Jesus. Just kind of skip through life and avoid all of these conversations. And maybe you're like, honestly, if I'm being honest, which clearly I'm not, I'm not that loyal to Jesus. Maybe you need to commit to come to church for four weeks in a row. Um, This isn't just about church attendance. This is about giving your whole self to something. And if you're like, yeah, I tried the Jesus thing. I went to church a couple times a year and like, it didn't really work for me. You know, like I, I know why. It's just like any relationship. Imagine like me and my wife. I'm like, hey, I want to marry you, baby. A couple times a month, I'm going to work on the relationship. That's, that's what I can commit to you. She'd be like, you're not ready to be married, bro. 
She'd be smart saying that, right? I mean, like any relationship, it takes time and energy. And I, I just, I'm convinced if you give your whole heart to Jesus for a month and say, God, you've got to show up for me. God, I, I don't know what else to do, but I'm just gonna give my whole heart to you for a month. I promise you he'll show up in your life. I really believe that. Maybe you're here today and you're just like, Brian, I just love Easter. I, lo- I love this church. I'm part of this community. I'm so excited about what God's doing here. Uh, maybe you just need to make a commitment to bring one person with you next week. We're starting a brand new series that I'm really excited to be teaching through some different cultural things uh, that we see. We're going to be playing some cover songs as a church and discussing the different cultural principles that are pulled out of that music. And I'm just, I'm fired up about it. Really excited for what's coming up. But you can just drop this in the baskets by the doors on the way out. And like I said, we just want to text you some encouragement. You guys, thank you so much for coming today. I want to pray for you. Would you stand up? And let's pray as we close out our time together. God, thank you so much that you meet us around the fire. Thank you for this this chance that we have. God, we don't take for granted that we have breath in our lungs today, that we are standing here. It truly is a gift to be together, to look upon this cross and consider how much you must love us, to die the way you did, and how powerful you must be to be alive today. And if this is you, just, just pray this with me. Father, I, uh, I don't want to just make an emotional commitment at church tonight. I, I want to I give you my whole heart. And Father, I know that my commitments are weak like Peter's. I, I can't do this on my own. But I want to be a follower. God, I want to I let go of my old life. Would you put that old life to death? And I want to be resurrected to a new life, Father. And I can't do that alone, and so I need your grace. God, I need courage to take steps forward and continue moving. And I just need to know that you love me, God. Could you just make it clear to me that you love me today? Father, thank you so much for this church. Thanks for this community, God. You are doing incredible things. There's just a fresh new thing that that you're doing in the church today, Father. Thank you for letting us be a part of it. Would you send us out as missionaries to the world? God, to show your grace to people who desperately need the hope of Jesus. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, We hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.